There's a new era that has emerged here in the WWE. It's all about you guys. It's because all of you and what you have been demanding. This is the Random Wrestling Review, where we are celebrating our 16th episode. We can now officially be sent off to war and pay taxes, but not vote for the government who makes the decision on those things. Thankfully, though, this is not a politics podcast, and that means we're randomly reviewing another wrestling show. This week, we take a look at WWE Payback 2016 as the post-WrestleMania season continues. Joining me for the pod today is a man who loves to remind us all each week that Ken Patera existed. And thank goodness, otherwise we'd all forget it's old man Sam Carey. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that in the middle of my intro. Come on. (laughs) I forgot to do it at the beginning. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) I was watching, it was Undertaker Austin on the last week's show. And I was like, do you know what? I don't own a bandana. It's a bit pissed. So I bought one. (laughs) I'll give you boys a treat. Yeah, the, the only way that could be considered a good idea would be if you were pissed, so... <laughs> yeah. To be fair, the proof's in the pudding. Look how fucking good he looks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go again, shall I? <clears throat> This is the Random Wrestling Review, where we are celebrating our 16th episode. We can now officially be sent off to war and pay taxes, but not vote for the government who makes the decision on those things. Thankfully, though, this is not a politics podcast, and that means we're randomly reviewing another wrestling show. This week, we take a look at WWE Payback 2016 as the post-WrestleMania season continues. Joining me for the pod today is a man who loves to remind us all each week that Ken Patera existed, and thank goodness, otherwise, we definitely all forget. It's old man... Sam Carey. Hello, Ben. Hi, Great Sam. to be here. Sweet 16. Never been kissed. Any more um, films you want to list off? <laughs> oh, I know. I, I could do. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I'm excited to be here. I'm glad to be here. I'm amazed that we made it to 16, as I was in myself when I made it to 16, as a, as a little nipper 21 years ago. 
What a lovely time. Oh, he's given away his age now. He's aged himself. Yeah, 37 and proud. And also with us is Tom Smith, who by this point must be getting fed up of being the and also with us guy, especially as sometimes he doesn't even get a proper introduction, kind of like today. Tom, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. I got, I got, I'll give you guys, I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your minds. Today. Oh, here we go. I actually made notes. Wow. Oh, hello. And, I will t- and I'll tell you why when we get into our expectations for the pay-per-view. And, uh, that, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a heads up why. Uh, but yes, it's uh, lovely to be here. It's always fun. I hope you guys are enjoying my bandana that I'm wearing today. I'm channeling yeah. my inner dead man. Um, <laughs> and, I, uh, and, I, and I walked into the, the studio this morning to uh, roll in by Limp Biscuit, But not on a Harley Davidson, on a high of excitement. It's, it's good, actually. So for our listeners, yes, Tom is wearing a bandana. And there's two things that have happened since you walked in with the bandana. So first of all, you've you've tidied up the bottom bit. So it now looks a yep. lot more kind of straight and, and square. That's lovely. And also, you've got a massive quiff at the top of your head, mm, yeah. <laughs> which you didn't yeah. have originally. It was just trapped under the bandana. Now it, looks it was it was uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to the bandana putting on, as I think most sensible people are. <laughs> um but the, the 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 hair clay that i use uh is still in from yesterday and has produced the morrissey-esque quiff at the front which i think you guys are very much enjoying do you yeah, know what i'm actually i originally commented that it looked terrible but now i think it actually looks pretty good i know what a fucking lad <laughs> i i think with that quiff and that bandana you could be the honky tonk dead man i imagine if they did if they changed like Oh, Let's cut that bit out of the shit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, imagine if Honky Tonk Man and Undertaker had sex. I mean, I think about that almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that now that you made that extra comment, I can't cut the first bit out because it won't make no. sense. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Let let the listeners into the in, know with the uh, the machinations of my mind, which I think <laughs> that something's going to be really funny, and then as I start to say it, it turns out it's actually not. And that is that is an example of the number of things I have to have to edit <laughs> out of the podcast in post production. Um, that usually just goes out seamlessly, but but in this occasion, it's staying in. Of course, fortunately, everything I say is hilarious, so it doesn't need to be cut. It, it doesn't need to be cut. It just stays out there like a kind of thing that has died on his ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just crawling into the listener's ear, just grabbing at the ear. Drive. Now take me, take me. Please, please, please give me affirmation. I need it. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the difference is that when Tom knows he's not going anywhere, he just stops himself and, and then tells me to cut it out. Old man just keeps going. He just he's just yeah, he soldiers on. He soldiers on. That's a man. I tell you what, actually, who's the truly insecure one, eh? I mean, if, if old man's willing to keep going. Although, to be honest, after we finish the recording every week, I do flog myself <laughs> mercilessly for all of my stupid comments. So Tom's probably winning. That's, that's, that's enough about your masturbation routines, old man. Let's move on. Before we get into the Payback 2016 properly, let me first ask you to please rate and or review us wherever you are listening to this and share on social media so that we can spread this podcast out to the masses as far and wide as possible. For a show that attempts to bridge the gap between hard-hitting wrestling analysis and irreverent juvenility, we massively need your help. So guys, Payback 2016. Yeah, sorry, can I just have one more thing about the bandana? You certainly yeah. have. So, do you reckon if I was to start wearing this like normally, like out in out in general public, I might come across as a type of guy that was like would always wear this anyway and just 
you know, kind of just like it's comfortable, it looks cool with it, or it's someone who's desperately trying to avoid his mid thirties by <laughs> doing something that he thinks might make him look younger. I think I genuinely think this as well that if you did your hair properly, right, and you've got like fucking <laughs> like, rich coming from like, you, <laughs> and you've got garbed up, you would look like an utter cunt. <laughs> but but I reckon you pull it off. Okay, it's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> where where are we? Right, payback. That's right, payback 2016. Um, yeah, interesting show. Uh, let's get, get your thoughts on where you were beforehand. What were your expectations for this show? Let's start with you, Tom. Right. So, remember another show that we did, which is probably just a, a, a year after this one, which yep. I was thoroughly down on mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I had my Fastlane 2017 biases in already and i was expecting to thoroughly dislike the show Mm. and that was why i started taking notes because when i find myself getting bored watching the shows that i don't like i take notes to make make me uh keep attention to it rather than getting distracted on stuff hence why i started taking notes now as we might find out a little bit later on had i known about the show what I did after watching it, before watching it. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> then I may not have taken notes. But you may not have. You may not yeah. have taken notes. Who oh. knows what that means? Old man. <laughs> well, I always take notes because I have a memory like a sieve. So my expectations, I must say, were pretty low. I uh, After coming out of WrestleMania 32, which this is a couple of months after, I'd, uh, that was the last WrestleMania I watched live, and to be honest, it broke me. So I had to take a little break. Um, I also didn't have a clue what were the matches on the card, but I remembered WrestleMania 32 and thinking it was a bit grotty. So when I pressed play, I pressed play as I would examine my shoe after standing in what could have been mud or dog shit, just as I'm about to check. So I was I was scared. I was, I, was, I was concerned that it was going to be absolute shithouse, to be honest. I'm quite concerned for you, old man, because each week we get a little insight into the things <laughs> that stress you out. I mean, there was the spider last week and there was the, the now there's the dog shit. There's all yeah. there's all these little things that are going on, like day to day potential occurrences that are clearly playing on your mind regularly. Um, Anxiety. And, yeah. And something happens in this show. This made me terrified of something. So enjoy that, lads. Wow. I look forward to hearing that. Um, also, one thing I did expect from the show, uh, based upon the, uh, you know, the, the, the picture on WWE Network, was a, a big old, uh, you know, big old chunk of the Wyatt family in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was amped for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I was kind of in the same place as both of you i wasn't really looking forward to i mean i was looking forward to watching it from the perspective of i haven't seen this before but i wasn't expecting that it was going to be particularly good actually it's interesting wrestlemania 32 is probably the end of me watching regularly again so i went through a period as we spoken about previously 2013 through to about this period actually where i just i was watching quite much more regularly got to this point wrestlemania 32 was my end point uh, that uh, for that period and i hated wrestlemania 32 to the core of my soul i really hated it and it was i think you're right old man the last time i watched it live as well although i think i watched it uh, at home um alone which might not have helped the overall enjoyment of it a sad, a sad sock on your cock you dirty 
Oh, damn it. <laughs> so unnecessary. Such <laughs> an unnecessary mental image to plant in my head to slow the thing. <laughs> Um, it was the first of the really long WrestleManias that we've been getting over the last few years. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was not expecting it to be a great show, but I was intrigued and curious as to what was going to be served up. I only, I did know that there was one match that was going to happen because for some reason I'd watched some kind of YouTube video like a week ago, which was the top 10, I don't know, like instances where somebody was meant to get somebody else over and got themselves over or something. And the number two or something was the main event of this show. So I did know what the main event of the show was. Uh, but um, other than that, no idea what was coming up. So let's get us into the show itself. And we start with the New Day kicking off the show to a very excited crowd. They come out before any of the uh, video package introduction or any um, pyro. And they say that Someone will be named number one contender to their tag team titles tonight. We then get a video package to get payback kicked off. And then before the first match, Enzo and Cass come out and cut a promo on the Vaude Villains. And it's only then, nine minutes into the show, that we hear the commentators for the first time, which is a very unique way of starting a WWE pay-per-view. You certainly don't usually get things like that. Any thoughts on any of this general stuff before the first match? I didn't, didn't mind the, the New Day stuff. They New Day are in this phase where I think they could have come out and farted for three minutes and still got the crowd eaten out of their hand. It's nice that was it. Xavier Woods makes a reference to uh, Beyonce being cheated on by Jay-Z. They got away with it because of who they are. But I kind of thought, really? Are we going down there? And I realised that uh, in the opening video package, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are on the show. I don't know that was scrap. Five years later... They've just recently done that at this year's WrestleMania again. And uh, it's also taken Apollo Crews five years to get anything like any kind of reaction from anyone ever. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Tom? Uh, this is it's a bit funny you should say what, what you just said, old man. It's, it's the reason why I struggle when we do this this era card, is it? Admittedly, there's some some people who have come and gone and, and what have you. But you look at everyone, they're pretty much everyone's still in the same place five years ago to where they are now and it does it is it's basically to me it's a stark reminder as to why i don't really watch it anymore because even though there are, there are some there are some good things you know a few decent things going on the majority of it's still the same you could have told me that this pay-per-view was from last month and with the exception of the you know the releases and stuff like that that mm. have happened since then i'd be i wouldn't be none the wiser yeah i i think the problem you know it's not so much that they're the same people or that they're in the same places, just that they haven't gone on any kind of a journey or it doesn't feel like they've gone on any kind of a journey. So they've almost like just existed in stasis for like five years. And they you're right. It could be yesterday because they they, they haven't gone on a journey since that point. And also it's been rammed down our fucking throat through this entire thing. This is a new era of WWE. Five years down the line. It's not. It's still the same. You know what I mean? It's just it's just absolutely flat. And I tell you what. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go too far ahead. And, and, but there's a bit in this pay per view that. Oh God. <laughs> oh, so shit. So shit. You know what I'm talking about. And if you've seen this card, listeners, you know what I'm gonna talk about either. But we're gonna save that for later. Looking but, forward yes. to it. Looking yeah, this whole new it. new era shit is rubbish. It was good in '94. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new generation, Tom. Come on. It's still yeah. new stuff though. Now, new stuff was good in '94. 
so yeah they are very much billing this as the beginning of the new era in wwe um the first pay-per-view after wrestlemania 32 the first match of the night is as the new day have said a match to determine the number one contenders to the wwe tag team titles uh, it features enzo amore and big Cass against the vaude villains and lasts only four minutes because uh, after that period of time enzo amore has a collision with the second and bottom rope uh and picks up a concussion and the match has to be shot sh- shot <laughs> has to be stopped um and the vaude villains effectively win by technical knockout though obviously it was a legitimate okay. injury uh any thoughts on this old man going back to enzo and big Cass, they are enormously over with the crowd so they do the same stick here i believe that they've just come onto the main roster after wrestling at 32 yeah it seems that way so yeah so they're pretty fresh but as uh tom mentioned earlier covered fast lane 2017 in our archives they're doing exactly the same stick enzo does his stuff and then does exactly what he did at Fastlane 2017, where he just goes into a nonsensical <laughs> like promo about his auntie being his uncle and stuff like that, which made no sense. Big Cass tries to make a joke. He's got about as much charisma as a wardrobe. And the only thing good about him is this bloody tan, cracking tan. <laughs> the fault villains. Really? Like, I quite like their little gimmick type thing, but still not going to go anywhere. And the only people that are genuinely getting a reaction once the match starts are our friends the New Day, who have sat on some beanbags and are eating popcorn and pizza on the side, which I must say, as much as I enjoyed, was to the detriment of the guys in the ring, regardless of the end of the match. Were those beanbags ultimate beanbags, old man? Oh, <laughs> I hope so. That's a lovely callback. Or were they ECW branded beanbags as, <laughs> yeah. uh, as potentially possibly maybe not marketed at uh, Living Dangerous <laughs> 99 or whatever it was we watched. Um, I, so, <clears throat> I really like, fuck me, excuse me. <clears throat> what was really funny then is Tom cleared his throat and when he did it, he, after he came back, his throat was less clear than before. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into Harley Race for a moment, then, didn't he? Oh, God. Uh, so I love the Vaude villains, like, entrance. Like, I love the the guy coming, the little, the guy on the Titan Tron doing the intro, and then the little old-timey plinky music, and then it turns sinister, which I like. Um, and that's everything. I, I'm kind of, this sounds bad, and I'm glad he's all right now. But thank God he got knocked out and the match ended, because I did not give two fucks about this match. It started quite well, uh, and obviously didn't have a chance to go anywhere else. So I didn't. It's hard. You can't really judge it, to be honest. This was the final of a tournament that they'd had on Raw and SmackDown to crown the new number one contenders to the New Day's titles. So they'd had at least a bit of a build to this match. I.e., this is the final of that tournament. I don't know why they needed a tournament though. Why this doesn't usually happen? Why why can't they just have a new number one contender to the New Day's titles? I don't what I don't know what kicked that off. Uh, because they didn't have any anything to do with all these tag teams. Well, that's probably it. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's I, probably. I, it. And also, why only have one team lose in a potential number one contenders match when you can have multiple teams lose and lose any momentum that they may have had, <laughs> and then have to start again, and then just don't bother. One note on uh, on Enzo getting injured again, like Tom said, glad he's okay. So I'm all right making this joke. I feel like the crowd should have stayed on point. And when he was getting his treatment on the stretcher, like laid out all unconscious and that, should, should have gone, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> it's it's a really weird, because 
how many times have we seen that a similar spot to that and it's got absolutely fine someone just sails underneath the bottom rope or through the middle rope and it's absolutely fine i don't know i, I wonder if it's because he's wrestling in trainers Maybe, Maybe his foot his foot attire is not appropriate. Although they are very nice Jordans, I must admit. But <laughs> I um I don't know if I I don't know if I'd wrestle in them. I mean we saw Batista not have a great performance in a match wearing Jordans at WrestleMania 30. So it's weird as well. They show the replay of the injury itself and how it happened. They do it in slow motion as well because they're clearly trying to figure out what the hell happened as well because it's very fast when it happens. It's so fast that you don't you can't really see what takes place. And then when they slow it down, he seems to. It, I thought it was something to do with his, his ribs because he, he hits the bottom rope with his ribs quite hard. But mm. they seem to suggest that the concussion comes from him hitting the second rope with his head. So it, it's a bit a bit strange. But anyway, they, those kind of freak accidents, as we've said before, are going to happen. They These guys throwing themselves, their bodies all around the place. And that, yeah, mistakes are going to take place and things like this are going to happen. Uh, as you say, the New Day are at ringside. They don't really, they, they are to the detriment of the two teams in the ring because they're more over really, than both teams in the ring. Um, and they would have been better off just not having them at ringside. The Vaud villains, I seem to remember when they were in NXT being baby faces um, and not having this sinister bit to their theme mm. after they come out. So they have the old timey music and it just continues to the ring. Um, and then as soon as they went up to the main roster, they seemed to go heel, which is probably a good idea, actually. But didn't really last very long, did it? I can't really remember too much of the card. There's one thing I will note, though. I always find it very peculiar how Aiden English gets into the ring between the bottom and middle rope in the same way to how most women get into the ring and, uh, like, cruiserweights, even though he's massive. Really? You ever notice that? I didn't no, notice that, no. Yeah, it's really... It's something I don't know why. It's something I noticed years ago. He always gets in between the bottom and middle rope. It's not exactly massively insightful, I thought I'd, uh, but I thought I'd bring it up. Well, obviously the most over he got was when he was with Rusev and he was doing the Rusev dating. Mm. That yeah. was obviously like his peak popularity. And Simon Gotch, I don't really know what happened to him. Just hearing his name reminded me of, uh, it's come up before, but uh, Noel's house party and the old Gotchas, lovely old job. <laughs> uh, what I did find quite interesting, I say interesting, I noticed it, is in the short time that the match is going on, uh, I think it's JBL makes a joke about um, Enzo's hair being like Donald Trump. He makes quite a uh, derogatory comment about Donald Trump. And I thought, oh, I bet Vince was absolutely fuming about his old buddy Donny being slagged off by JBL. Perhaps that's why JBL had to take some time off at some point in the future. I thought he had to take time off because he can't fucking talk properly. <laughs> well, that is true, yeah. And the commentary on this pay-per-view is grim. Um, yeah. I mean, Byron Saxon's done fucking well for himself to, to stick around for as long as he has. JBL, there's a bit in some of the matches. I think it might be the next match, actually. It might be the KO Zane match. He's one point where he's like, I got a slap talker, and there's a Chicago Bulls, and Michael Jordan, and then, and then, and then, and then Michael. Jesus Christ, take a fucking break. He's an absolute maniac. Well, before we move on to that match, let's just um, quickly take the temperature of PWI, who ranked uh, Aiden English and Simon Gotch in their 500 for that year. Um, Come on. Aiden English was number 171 and Simon Gotch 175. They've done very well for themselves on that list, haven't yeah. they? They fucking may as well join Bob Byron Saxton in the list of people <laughs> who overachieved in 2016. I'm guessing they only work tag matches. Yeah. How are they not equal? <laughs> I don't know. They don't It's explain. a fucking fraud. It's a fraud. It's a work. Be. Might just be, old man. Might just be. <laughs> it's a work. 
<laughs> so then we get the hype video for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's match, which is coming next. It goes back all the way back to the moment Owens turned on Zayn after the main event of NXT TakeOver in December 2014 and then charts their subsequent entry to the WWE main roster, including Kevin Owens' debut against John Cena in the middle of the previous year. Um, any thoughts on the video package? WWE are so unbelievably lucky that they've got these two guys who have got such a ridiculous storied personal history because any time they're at a loose end with what to do and what to fill a pay-per-view, it'll be like, oh, these two have known each other for ages and they don't like each other. Um, now, this, I think, is one of the first instances of them being able to actually do that um, since they've both been on the main roster. But I think it works quite well. I think um, you're not a big Kevin Owens guy, are you, Tinky? But what I like about Kevin Owens so much is the fact that he... He just, for me, he just gets it. He just, he just gets pro wrestling, and he, he is inherently so clearly the heel in this. But in the video package to it, he justifies it to himself. He's like, I didn't do anything wrong, you know. I seized my opportunity, and then Sammy, Sammy Zayn ruined the rumble for me by throwing me out of it. And I just think it's really good because even though he is so clearly in the wrong, he's so convinced that he's in the right that he he feels justified by it. And it's yes, yeah, it's just a great way. I I did like the fact that they 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 brought it all the way back to like the beginning of their their NXT journey together as well. I just thought it was quite a well done package. But again, it's something they can just rely on. And going into the match later on, they they know each other so well they can just do it like that. Yeah, I think I should clarify on Kevin Owens. Like I. I, I think he's great. I do think he's very, very talented. You hate him. I guess ultimately it's more of a reflection of the way WWE have used him, presented him, portrayed him. He does his best to break out his individuality as a performer whenever he can. And whenever they can, WWE do their best to make him look and feel and sound like everybody else. And that's perhaps why I get frustrated with the, with Kevin Owens is that... And it's not his fault. It's WWE's entirely WWE's fault is that they aren't very good at just making him or allowing him to be this person that is unique. And they briefly did it at the, when he first turned up in WWE on the main roster. Um, going in and beating John Cena on his debut was, was a really cool way of introducing him. But WWE, in my opinion, from there, you just strap the rocket to him. Like if you're going to have him beat John Cena on his debut, just strap the rocket to him and him straight to the top of the roster. Don't then bring him back down into the mid card and have him caring about an intercontinental title. Like you mm. just put him straight in at the top and forgo this period where you feel like you have to, I don't know, test him. Prove himself. Well, yeah, I suppose. You, yeah, prove himself or, or, or pay his dues again. Like he's done that. The thing that is really weird there is that it, it's and this might be a, a conjuncture or, or to like guesswork, but they don't do it with people who evidently can do really well, but they do it with people who can't. So like Roman Reigns, for example, in his solo run, they've got no problem in going like strap you to straight to the moon because you're a guy that we want to do that yeah. with. Whereas it's like it feels like with a lot of the independent talents, but maybe with the exception of perhaps Seth Rollins. But even even then, he's still not necessarily maintained his spot at the top of the card the entire time. They they always seem to, as you said, have to go through this other proving ground almost to show that you can get yourself over in WWE because it's not what they traditionally think of as being a person who should be at the top of the card. Also, the problem that he's got, he looks like how I imagine Vince McMahon sees a slob and probably how he views a lot of the WWE fans in that he doesn't look like he's a very good shape. He dresses a bit messily. And I just think, well, we've said this before, but they just don't know what to do with him. They don't know how to handle it because they also know. And I think it shows when we get there, the bit at the end of the match 
it shows that if they actually let him do what he wants, he would be so, for want of a better phrase, over with everyone that they wouldn't really have anyone on his level because of how they booked everyone, if that makes sense. And I think it is really about this period of time, which is why I bring, I'm sort of talking about it now. Kevin Owens turned up, middle of 2015. At the end of 2015, they have some major problems in WWE. Sting has to retire because he gets injured. Seth Rollins yes. gets injured um, so that he can't, compete at the next year's WrestleMania. Um, they also have John Cena out with injury at the time, so he can't compete at WrestleMania either. Uh, they were having to chop and change what they were planning to do for that year's WrestleMania over and over again, which is why I think ultimately they brought Shane McMahon back because they had nothing else. They did, just didn't know what else to put in there. It was just a really weak w, uh, WrestleMania lineup. But you've just debuted Kevin Owens and you've had him beat John Cena. That's why I'm like, this is an opportunity. Just just push him right to the moon and they didn't do it. And in the end, he, he ends up in the ladder match, the multi-man ladder match for the Intercontinental yeah. title. And you're like, what a waste. You could have him against The Undertaker. That would be a match I'd be interested in. You could have him against Brock Lesnar. That would be a match I'm interested in. Mm. Lesnar ends up facing Dean Ambrose in a notoriously oh. poor match. Yeah. Undertaker and Shane McMahon is just, for me, the reason why I hated WrestleMania 32. Um, yeah, just, just lots to dislike about it. But... He's great. He is very good. And no doubt about it, this um, this match is good. Sorry, we haven't even spoken about the match. Uh, let's let's talk about it uh, now. So Kevin Owens beats Sami Zayn in 14 and a half minutes. Now the end. <laughs> Are you going to leave that in? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> Kevin Owens beats Sami Zayn after 14 and a half minutes. And the match ends when uh, Kevin Owens does a super kick, super kick and then a pop-up powerbomb and gets the victory oh man your thoughts on the match it's very good i enjoyed it immensely they start as they should like one thing i about the promo video i thought as well is is something that we touched upon in previous episodes it actually adds an adds an urgency to the match you're kind of like oh yeah they proper hate each other these lads and they start at about seven million miles an hour which is lovely. There's a nice mention of Roy and the Tiger and JBL in one of his little random things goes off and says, what does Sami Zayn expect? It's like when you're Roy and the Tiger. Of course the Tiger's going to attack. I don't know what the fuck uh, Roy and the Tiger is. I don't have all the information to hand. It's a guy with Roy and he gets eaten by his Tiger. I mean, it's what I got from yeah, yeah, but he was... Um, is it um oh, you know, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, that's it. Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, yeah. Once they've left the match... And the tiger stopped eating people. It's just very good. It's well put together. Like Tommy said, they could probably, the blindfold match at WrestleMania 7 between Jake the Snake and my boy Rick Martel, they could have probably had this match with genuine blindfolds on. Like, and they wouldn't have missed a beat, I don't think. There's a couple of lovely little sequences, like the attempted pop-up powerbomb into a dropkick, into a suplex, into a clothesline towards the end. One thing I love about it, is the pin by Kevin Owens because he just collapses back on his back onto Sami Zayn. Like he's given everything to beat this guy. This deserves better than payback. I think there's kind of like a two, kind of a two year story in a way in this match. And they've just gone, should we just have it on payback? Fuck off payback. Uh, I want it on WrestleMania or SummerSlam. There doesn't appear to be a good reason why it wasn't on WrestleMania, given what they had at WrestleMania that year. The, the, I don't think it matters that they get, they put it at payback. I think what matters is that they put it second on the show at payback and they only give them 14 minutes. Like for me, this should be in the semi-final spot. 
and it should be 20 minutes long and they should absolutely be giving it everything. Although I do like the fact that they kind of work it into the whole, the next match that's coming up. Yeah. So on that, on, in that respect, I, I didn't dislike the position of it for that reason, I guess. You know that the main event is between Reigns and Stars and that a big kind of AJ Styles kind of main event match. Having the Zayn and Owens match maybe following, going straight into that would probably be quite a much for the crater to have to you'd be knackered after the Zayn and Owens match and then struggle maybe through the main event. So right. that might be why as well. You, I'll be honest, this is the most regular I've been watching WWE pay-per-views for years and you note and you start to know how they lay out the cards don't you i i find that an early big match and then kind of take it down a little bit and then bring it back up into a bigger match and then take people down again so it's it's interesting that i'm starting to notice that as we're watching anyway notes on the match i liked double clothesline spot both laying down on the ground the referees are going you guys can you get up it starts counting and kevin owens tells him to shut up which just made me think so fucking <laughs> it just made me laugh Kevin Owens, this is going to be a controversial shout, I think. And I'm going to add the caveat to this. Excluding D'Lo Brown, Kevin Owens does the best frog splash. I reckon he does a bloody lovely frog splash. He really, really tucks in, really opens up again. And it looks like he kills people when he hits people with it. Yeah, yeah. It's a bloody lovely frog splash. Sami Zayn, as good as he is, I really like Sami Zayn. I think he's, I think he's brilliant as the plucky underdog babyface, and I also think he's very good as the obnoxious, annoying heel. He does shit punches though. My God, his punches are awful. John Cena esque <laughs> levels of dreadfulness in the punches. Um, but it was the the, the match in itself was really good. I I really enjoyed it. And I've got a question to you boys. Right? Most times when you watch the mechanics of a wrestling move. You can kind of figure out how, you know what I mean, how one person uses their momentum and the other person guides them through it. And uh, like, so for example, a powerbomb, you know that the initial lift is done by the person who's doing the powerbomb and then the other person that does like a crunches their stomach to get them up and then they hit them down and stuff. How the fuck does a blue thunderbomb work? Like, how can you get someone up and then spin them around and then mm. hit them down? How I don't understand the mechanics of it, how someone is able to jump up and then spit like I can't see how Sami Zayn, for example, could have the strength to literally spin someone around. It blew it blew my mind watching it today when I I've yeah. seen that move obviously many times before. But it really impressed me. I was like, how the fuck do you do that move? I think this is a really good match. And again, I just want them to be given more time. I felt the same way about their WrestleMania thirty seven match. I just want them to be given twenty minutes to do this because I feel like it would easily sustain itself for twenty minutes. This was a really good match and could have been an absolutely great match if they'd have just been given an extra five minutes and it really frustrates me they just keep getting given nothing not enough time you're right they go straight into it they go really fast 100 mile per hour with like straight into like punches back and forth and then they settle into a very kind of big move based contest really enjoyed it i just want them to be able to go for a little bit longer but i can't fault the effort and the and the quality of the things that they actually do do during the 14 minutes Fortunately, there is nothing that you could cut from this card for that extra five minutes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this, this card is wall-to-wall quality, and there is not a wasted minute. So after the match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, Byron Saxton gets in the ring and tries to interview Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens directs him to ask him how he feels about the victory, but Byron Saxton doesn't ask him that question and asks him about their the issue between the two. And Kevin Owens has a go at him and then says, fine, I'll come and join you at the commentary table. So Kevin Owens joins the three-man commentary t- team um, for the next match, which is between The Miz and Cesaro for the Intercontinental title. 
The match goes 11 minutes and 20 seconds and ends when a whole bunch of stuff takes place. So first of all, Sami Zayn turns up and attacks Owens at the commentary desk. Uh, right towards the end of the match, which I don't know where Sami Zayn's been for the full match, but mm-hmm. he, he he does. Re- I, I guess he's been selling the injuries that he's, he's taking a shit. We all know it. <laughs> he's accrued during the match. Um, he turns up, attacks Kevin Owens at the commentary table. Meanwhile, in the ring, Cesaro hits the big swing on the mi- on the Miz for 20 revolutions, as counted by the crowd. Um, Cesaro puts a cross face on the Miz, but Owens and Zayn's fight that's been going on at ringside then spills into the ring. The ref gets the distracted when Miz taps. Cesaro then himself gets distracted by this fact, gets up, tries to get the referee's attention. Meanwhile, Miz comes up from behind him, schoolboys him for the pin and retains his title. After the match, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So Cesaro hits. What's his move? I can't remember the name of his move and I couldn't remember it even whilst I was... The the neutralizer. The neutralizer, that's the name of it. He hits that on Miz. Uh, Owens then super kicks Cesaro. Zane gets back in the ring, gets powerbombed for his troubles. He then Owens then tries to do the same to Miz, but Maurice pulls him out of the ring. Old man, thoughts on this one? Let's start with Kevin Owens on commentary. Kevin Owens is equal parts excellent and equal parts awful on commentary. He is great, but the problem that we have is that he takes everything Michael Cole and Byron Saxton says apart. So he just is constantly belittling these guys that we've got to listen to every week <laughs> talk about wrestling. And he is every, every move Michael Cole calls, it seems Kevin Owens takes apart how he's called it. He's obviously under some direction from someone, Kevin Owens, to do this. I like a nice added voice because sometimes three isn't enough when you're just trying to watch a match. <laughs> just need an extra, just need that extra voice. And in terms of the match, I'll be honest, I actually felt quite sorry for the Miz and Cesaro because I think they have a tidy little match, especially with the time that they're given. And all I could think about come the end was this is why Cesaro has never amounted to anything. This is one of the reasons is that he's having a good match, a good back and forth match. Looks like he's going to win the title. They don't need to do what they do. You walk away instead of thinking, course, Cesaro and Miz had a decent match. You're like, oh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn had a little scrap. And I just thought, really? Do we need to do we need to do that? It felt like a missed opportunity to get Cesaro, to raise Cesaro's stocks. He's already very popular with the crowd. The crowd are excited by him. And it felt like a missed opportunity, I think, because of all of the shenanigans that go on towards the end of the match. I interestingly feel the complete opposite to old man in every, in everything he said. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, first of all, Kevin Owens, I think, is good on commentary precisely because I didn't like him on commentary. I thought his commentary was annoying and got on my nerves a lot. But that I felt that was good because I think Kevin Owens is a heel. He's supposed to make me dislike him. And I did dislike him whilst he was on commentary. So I thought he was really good, but I wouldn't want to see it. I wouldn't want to hear him on commentary because I didn't like him. JBL shuts up during the match as if. And so, again, I give some credit to JBL because he's clearly reading the situation. He's like, there's no need for a second heel here. This will just be about me and him going back and how much we love each other rather than Kevin Owens Mm. doing his heel stuff. So I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to talk to you in this match. And he doesn't. And I thought that was really, really well done. I thought the match was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I just thought overall this 40 minute, maybe, maybe half an hour. I'm not sure exactly how long it lasts. But this period where you've got from the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn hype video for their match through to the end of this where you've got Kevin Owens standing tall and as the potentially the new number one contender for the Intercontinental title, having beaten Sami Zayn, 
the sense that they've managed to figure into the Intercontinental title two different things. You've got the champion and his and his challenger, and you've got the feud that's going on between Owens and Zayn, and they're kind of mixing it all in together into one bit. I really liked it, and I thought, yeah, I mean, I get it. This, you, you're not high, you're not spotlighting Cesaro particularly well here, but he they protect him. He doesn't do anything any damage to him, and I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really decent passage of the show. This whole kind of I don't know thirty or forty minute bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tiggy. I, I really like the match. I tell you, the Miz takes a bloody good swing, doesn't he? Again, he does. none of that none of that head holding nonsense, uh-huh. all arms. He doesn't flail as much as um as Kofi does, but he, he takes a he takes a bloody good swing. I thought the match was really good. I, I again I love the fact that it all tied into it and it made me it made me think at the end of that match at the Intercontinental title it was a big deal. There are these potentially these four people um, having a match with it, and I don't know what happened at Extreme. Extreme Wars would have been the next pay per view, yeah. but if they didn't, mm. if they didn't have a four way match with those four for the Intercontinental title, then it's a sham. Um, Cesaro, as we've discussed before, is a very good wrestler and really good. And I, you know, all I could think to myself during that match was, God, imagine a match he could have with Bad Bunny. <laughs> oh yes, it'd be tremendous. It'd be tremendous. Um, also. I'm a big fan of The Miz as well. I think The Miz is really yeah. good. I don't think he's he's the most amazing kind of technical in-ring worker that we're ever going to see. But again, he's just really good. He just gets it. He gets the character. He knows how to play the heel perfectly. Um, he's got quite an obnoxious move set, which I know sounds a bit weird, but it kind, he kind of does. And I just I think he's really good. And it's going to be really interesting to see when his career is all said and done, when it's, when it's finished, what his legacy will be back and if the Wyatt's trying to take it but um the re- <laughs> but like what his re- legacy is going to be because he's been a, a good hand in the ring and a good almost like a developmental person to to, to get people over and I don't know I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what what how people look back on the Miz's kind of run in the WWE is going to be because I think it's been generally quite good and he's a self safe pair of hands especially in that mid card I think what you say there is, in terms of him being reliable, is the thing. He's just the guy that they get to do things when they want someone who they trust. So, for example, John Cena's coming back for a one-off mixed tag match at WrestleMania. We'll give him, give him the Miz and Maurice because the Miz will, will be fine in that position. Oh, we've got Bad Bunny having a match on a WrestleMania show. We'll give him the Miz because the Miz will Miz will be able to carry that through no problem. It doesn't have to be spectacular, it doesn't have to be brilliant, but it will just do the job, and that's what he's there to do. Uh, one thing I will say, in again, a kind of the reason why I quite enjoyed the Kevin Owens Sami Zayn involvement in this match is how many mid card title matches have we seen the Miz in on B level pay per views? Like he must have done it more than any other wrestler in the history of the world. Mm. He just had so many intercontinental or US title matches in the middle of b-level pay-per-views against any number of different people so again it was kind of good that they had that extra thing going on because otherwise i would have been a little bit like oh god another Miz mid-level title match but i do agree i i think you know in terms of why he's there and his reliability you know you can't you can't knock him he's done he's had a tremendous career for somebody who was effectively written off as a bit of a joke from the get-go and was released, I think, about 2010, 2011, only to be basically brought back very quickly afterwards. I, I, I do agree with your assessment of the Miz. I think he's really valuable, and it will be interesting to see what people make of him once he retires. What's interesting about the old Miz is uh, he, and this is a compliment to him, is that he has taken the spot that Dolph Ziggler used to have, where, like Tommy's noted, like Dolph Ziggler is selling, Dolph Ziggler could probably make me look pretty decent 
in a match because he'd sell all over the shop for me. Miz doesn't do that, but he makes everything believable. So he doesn't oversell like Ziggler does. But as you've both said, he's just a good pair of hands and he knows his timing seems to be very good. He seems to know when to when to turn a match up if it needs it. Yeah, he's just good. Well done, Mike. He's also had what I quite like is that he's had quite a few different kind of gimmicks, but he stayed the same the entire time. As well, like mm. he still stayed the same character. So there's like the movie star stuff. Remember the stuff we had with Damien Sandow when Damien Sandow was a stunt yeah. double and he was reenacting everything on the on the outside of the ring. Oh, it's phenomenal stuff. Ah, got them is. Yeah, it was it was really good. And I, I, I think you're saying about Dolph Ziggler, he kind of is in that position, but at the same time he's a guy that's had who's headlined WrestleMania. So he's actually been to the top of the card and and effectively attained the biggest thing that you can attain in WWE, which is headlining yeah. WrestleMania. And so as a consequence, they could, for example, in this match, he doesn't come across very well. He, he, he wins the match, but doesn't really win it cleanly. But you don't need him to because he, he's just he's Teflon. He just you can put him in there. And no matter what you do, no matter how much you make him look weak, you can have him win. You can have him lose. He'll always be able to come back and do something um, of value in the future. I also love that his Titan Tron is just the trailer for the Marine. The Marine Four, I think yeah. they were doing at the time. It's phenomenal. Um, after this, we get backstage. Apollo Cruz is shown talking to Stephanie McMahon. Um, and in the meantime, the, we don't hear what they're saying, but in the meantime, the commentators hype up that we will see Vince McMahon later on choose who will control Raw, Stephanie or Shane. I'm gagging for this, boys. Can I'm absolutely, I can't bloody wait because they, they definitely won't drag it out. That's the good thing I know about them. They ain't going to drag it out. It'll be quick, concise to the point. Lovely old job. Come on. So then we get the video package hyping Chris Jericho versus Dean Ambrose. And the and this was interesting because obviously a couple of weeks ago we had the game where we had to name uh the different talking segments on Raw. And this is the first I've seen of Dean Ambrose's talking segment. And apparently it was given to him just as a way of leading these two into a match at payback. Any thoughts on the video package for this match? Why the fuck are they fighting? <laughs> that's, that's my question. I wrote down, Jericho and Ambrose throw a video as well put together. But what the fuck is it all about? And who wants it? Who? Well, apparently it's all about the fact that Dean Ambrose has been giving Chris Jericho's talking segment on Raw. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That is the entire build, effectively. Yeah. So do, do you think, like, when, was it Jimmy Fallon took over the Tonight Show from Jay Leno? Do you reckon they should have had a little blow-off match? Probably. Speaking of blow-offs, Chris Jericho during the match very much tries to blow the referee at one point, which is quite enjoyable. Oh, lovely. My note on the build, silly little video package, daft little program, fuck off. (laughs) To quote Richard Keyes. In fairness, that is at least a bigger praise than I've given it, which is... I haven't even commented. I've just said video package. Oh. Chris Jericho, <laughs> that's it. That's my entire note on the uh, on the segment. And you're right. There really doesn't feel like there's a particularly legitimate reason for these two to actually be fighting in a in any kind of a feud. I would have been happy for them to say, look, we're just going to have Chris Jericho versus Dean Ambrose on the show. There's been no, nothing wrong with that. They're just having a match which doesn't even mean anything. But yeah, they've given them this really quite lame reason to have a match. The match itself goes 18 and a half minutes and uh, uh, ends when Ambrose reverses a lion salt and hits dirty deeds for the win mm. old man thoughts on the match it's not good i must say it's not good and tommy has been a big uh champion of how shit dean ambrose is yes yeah i am 100 percent on board i must say i watched this so 
it's something I've not really ever noticed about him. And I remember when he was on Austin's, it was still the Steve Austin podcast when it was on WWE Network. And Austin kind of like, kind of says, uh, Ambrose is world champion at this point. So I don't know when it takes place, the interview. But he's kind of like, don't take your eye off the ball and that. And he's like, I don't think Dean Ambrose even knows where the fucking ball is. Because his selling is atrocious. His moveset is non-existent. His whole character seems to be he sticks his tongue out to the side of his mouth not dissimilar to one man gang and is that, and to be honest that didn't really get him over it was it was the <laughs> that got one man gang over <laughs> um jericho is not good in this match either like we've talked a lot about jericho it's just not good they seem to be going through the motions the crowd are not invested in it at all. And especially after the last two matches, it kind of might play into what Tommy said about like bringing the crowd up and taking them back down and stuff like that. It feels like they've gone from payback to laid back. <laughs> Tom, basically, shit, that's done. Yeah, it, the, the match is fucking crap. It's just... Going back to Dean Ambrose, come on, let's bury Dean Ambrose, shall we? <laughs> so, <laughs> get a fucking shovels out, boys. So, old, everything old man said is is nailed on fucking the head. None of his offense looks believable in the slightest. None of it. It is he cannot throw it. He cannot throw a basic working punch. He can't do any move that looks that looks entirely believable. I hate, I hate, I fucking hate his crap clothesline reversal slingshot thing. Which is all—it's just awful. It's such a crap move. Um, I hate his diving push through the middle rope. I hate his facial expressions when he's trying to sell because everything is just so over the top and unbelievable. Fuck off, Dean Ambrose. Now he might—I haven't watched any AEW. I—I I believe that John Moxley might actually be all right. I don't know, so I might have to defer to you guys on that. But Dean Ambrose is just absolute shit. And, and this match as well is where I'm starting to veer off of more to your guys' side of the tracks when it comes to Jericho, because he's not good in this match either. He plays some of, the, some of the greatest hits. And I'll tell you what else, they did a lot of this at this time in WWE. Submission holds on things. Because everyone knows that a Wars of Jericho is ten times more painful when you do it on an announce table. <laughs> like, what the fuck? This is absolutely stupid. I just really didn't like it. I mean, at the end of the match, the highlight of it was the fact that it zoomed, the camera zooms into Dean Ambrose and he's got a load of snot all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> which made, which, and the only reason I enjoyed that is because it made me think of, uh, made me think of um, Clash of Champions that we did when that guy had ah. loads of spit all over his face <laughs> and that guy in the crowd with his bog roll. I just thought it was crap. Chris Jericho's got goat on his tights. That's rich. Should have should have been at least you would know that belongs to IRS or Bad Bunny. Well, he like, is um, he is Chris Jericho. Let's not forget. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I fucking I I could have a better match with a goat in a WWE <laughs> ring, I think. And it made me think as well. I wonder if like what's his name, Tony Khan, was watching this in 2015. And was like, I'm gonna start a promotion in a couple of years, and these are the two lads I want <laughs> from the whole roster, an all AEW match, and that's why I don't watch yeah. it. Um, so I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I didn't like this match. And I, I think that's partially because I, I'm not as low on Dean Ambrose as certainly you are, Tom. But I think that, again, 
the way he's portrayed in WWE makes him feel like everybody else. And when you're trying to be alternative, like Kevin Owens is trying to be alternative with his with his ring attire. Dean Ambrose has got a similar thing with his ring attire where they're both being portrayed as or they're trying to trying to stand out. But WWE are giving them stuff that just makes them feel like everybody else. It becomes a real chore. And I think that's what happened with Dean Ambrose. I think it's why he left WWE more than anything else. I think he just was fed up of working in a way that meant everything he had to do everything he did had to be kind of signed off or he had to tell them what he was going to do or it got scripted its promos were scripted and i think if i'm going to be kind to them i think both of them were completely demotivated by what is not a story you can get your teeth into we've seen with jericho if you've watched um, jericho's recent interview with steve austin which is actually really good you can tell that he needs things to be invested in when he's working. Otherwise, what he does is not as good. It's just not at the standard that he is occasionally capable of. And I think Dean Ambrose is exactly the same. I think he has the same problem is that if he's given things to do that he can't invest himself in, that there's nothing exciting about, he's going to phone it in. And I think that's what happens here is both of these guys phone it in and they give them 18 minutes, which is just pathetic. <laughs> give five, give five of these minutes to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at the start of the show. And we're golden. And, and you know what? I, if they I don't even know if they did continue this feud, but if they did, cause it's WWE, so they probably yes, they did. did give these guys a short match, which ends in a double disqualification where they end up brawling to the back and get counted out or something like that. You know, just, there's just no need for this to just be 18 minutes long and portrayed as this really important and serious match it's just not for me i don't think that it was for them either and i think that's why it's not good at all it's really not good the dean ambrose character that as i said i haven't seen any of them outside of the wwe it looks like he he's always kind of looked like he could be good but I, when i say i hate dean ambrose i hate the way he's very similar to what you said i don't like his moveset and i don't like the way he's presented and there's it's got the classic thing of like He's edgy. He's a bit of a lunatic. So Vince Man's like, let's tap into the wacky side. Yes, he does. I mean, that's it. They just focus on the wacky side. So they give him the gunge. Like there was that one time where he used gunge on someone. I'm like, this is supposed to be like this guy who's a lunatic. He's supposed to have this really hard edge. And now you've given him something going back to Noel's house party that they would have used on there for family entertainment. Like it just doesn't work. And I don't I haven't seen lots of him outside of WWE. But what I saw of him in the early period of time when he was in wwe he was a guy who was super motivated and exciting and did some cool stuff and then kind of molded himself into a kind of the lunatic fringe but once wwe got hold of it they kind of just softened it turned it into something that was less interesting less unique and just this very wwe-ified version of something that could have been quite good and i think that's why where i struggle with dean ambrose and his run in wwe on the order of the matches you were talking about earlier on. So this is where I agree with you, because I think this also this match also suffers from the fact that we've just had two very good, not long, but mid-sized matches. A 14-minute match, an 11-minute match. We just needed something, I think, to take us down before we went into this one, especially as it was 18 minutes. And I just thought it was strange to me, thinking back, I think I would have made Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn the opener, then had the Miz Cesaro match, then the tag team match, just to change the pace a little bit. Um, whereas, as it was, we had three singles matches in a row, all of a relatively decent length. And yeah, it just wasn't quite the right order for the show to go. I wonder also whether they added a few minutes to this match because the tag team match was cut short. Mm, very possibly, yeah. I think they probably added 17 and a half minutes. 
that's what I reckon. It's a very good point we said thinking about the, the order, but I can't help but think the reason they put the tag match on first is because they wanted the New Day to open the show. Maybe. Yeah. And that, that, and that, is, that and it sounds a bit daft, but I bet you that's that's why. We Have we finished on this match now? I do have that. one further point, actually. Just to, It's more of a question. Because I couldn't decide when I was watching the match. So they do the spot where Ambrose is under the bottom rope in Jericho, kind of like uh, catapults him into it. Mm. I couldn't figure out if that was appropriate, given what had happened earlier in the show. I just kind of, because it's also a nothing spot. It doesn't lead to anything. Like, he doesn't work over his neck or anything like that. I couldn't figure out if that's something that they probably should have just left on the side, given that a guy has been wheeled out on a stretcher unconscious an hour before i don't know i didn't notice it but you did so clearly somebody was making that connection maybe they just didn't make the connection um which i'm, I'm sure they didn't as you said it's not a significant spot if it had been the match yeah. ending spot they might have mm. gone oh do we want to do that given that you know what we've just seen uh but yeah i, I think it's just it's just such a regular spot that they do that they yeah. didn't even think about it um i want to go back to the enzo more injury actually because there was something about it though that i did think about because there's a point during that whole thing where when he's injured that the referee throws up the cross he throws up the cross with his arms to say that there's a real injury and i've seen them do that i've seen them throw up the cross when there's not a real injury to make it look mm. like it's a real injury before and this has got nothing to do with the show, so forgive me because I'm going off on a real tangent. But I hate it when they do that, when they try to make a, a, a kayfabe injury appear real. Mainly because, presumably, when you're in the back and you see someone throw the arms the cross up, you are telling everyone, be on alert, be ready. We've got to, we've got to sort this out. We've got to get medical people down here. But we've also got to make sure that people are out of the way when the when the stretcher comes back. We've got to make sure that everybody's aware that something serious has happened. So just just be sensible for for a little while but if you're throwing up the cross during a match and you're not and it's a, and it's a work you're not going to have told everyone in the back beforehand oh by the way we're going to work this there's going to be a, a cross and there's going to be a work thing it's just going to be the agent who knows about it and the wrestlers and maybe a writer or two and so sometimes the wrestlers must presumably see the cross go up and go oh it's just it's just them working some kind of angle and i just don't think you want to mess with the fidelity of that cross being important like actually this is when you do all just shut up and try and be serious because we've got a problem yeah it's cheap isn't it well it's cheap because obviously the fans know about it now so it's kind of their way of trying to sell things and i don't mind that so much i just mind them kind of corroding the value it has to the boys in the back who have got to who should be in a sort of state of right okay i'm i'm i'm, I'm alert i'm ser- this is serious because we've got an issue here mm. i wonder if and this might be thinking too advanced, and I don't know if they're smart enough to do this, but I wonder if there is another one as well. There's another signal. There might be. And they do they do the X to, to for that very reason, but there is an actual... I mean, they're all mic'd up as well, aren't they? The rest, they've all got headsets and stuff like that, and they can all get back. But I wonder I wonder if that is just a thing so that they can do it in those spots. So, yeah, so I don't know. I, I wonder if that I wonder if that, that, that in itself is a, is a work and always has been. It is possible. Oh, whenever I think of that, I think of is it Ric Flair at, um, in WrestleMania 23 or 22 in one of the Money in the Bank matches, and he, oh, yeah. he sells his leg. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. And 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 then wheels himself down, doesn't he later on? Yeah. What I wanted to quickly talk about is something that happens after the Zane and Owens match because we kind of just segued straight into the Mrs. R one. Is the there's a promo and there's quite a lot of them for original content on mm. the WWE Network. 
Mm. So there's this one in particular I've just written. What does it say on my name? It says, Crap WWE Network Shows. So it's a promo for Ride Along, yeah. Camp WWE, um, Edge and Christian's show that reeks of awesomeness and has got a really long overdue, un- unnecessarily long title, um, and some other shits. I can't remember what it was. And it did make me think, actually, this is obviously them finding their feet with the WWE Network, because none of that shit exists anymore, does it? And what they do, what they tend to focus on now are more things like the Steve Austin show, the the, the, the 24-7, the Chronicles, the, you know, the, the, the last ride. You know what I mean? They tend to make their, their programming a, a lot more serious now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they've kind of found their feet with it as it's about to end. It's almost as if that wrestling fans who are big enough fans to subscribe to something for $10 or £10 a month every single month, i.e. the biggest wrestling fans of all, want wrestling content. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's only taken them five years to figure it out. Yeah, a bit crazy. Okay, let's uh, let's leave it there for the moment. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second to cover the last couple of matches on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest at this time, AJ Styles. AJ, over the past week, we've seen Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows help you gain an advantage over Roman Reigns. And I've got to ask you, is that what we're going to see tonight? I'll tell you exactly what you're going to see tonight. You're going to see me have the match of my life and become the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion all by myself. Now, as far as Gallows and Anderson, I'll tell you the same thing I told them. It's all about me tonight. Are they my friends? Absolutely. Do they have my back? Yes. But it's a one-on-one match between me and Roman. And when it's done, he'll know exactly why I am phenomenal. So welcome back to the show. Uh, Hopefully the second half will be a little bit more articulate for you all because I'm pretty sure we've made a bit of a mess of that first half. But who knows? Maybe I'll have uh, figured out in the edit and this will all sound ridiculous now. Um, So between the Chris Jericho and Ambrose match and the next contest, we have a number of bits and pieces backstage. So first of all, we have Mauro Ranallo interviewing AJ Styles. He says that tonight he will beat Roman Reigns on his own without the help of his friends Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Um, then we also see Shane McMahon chatting to Sasha Banks. Again, we don't hear what they're saying, but they do hype up that later in the show we will um, see Vince McMahon tell us who will be the new controller of Raw. Uh, what is more purple, Sasha Banks's hair or Shane McMahon's face? <laughs> they have a very similar look mm. in colour, it's got to be said. Um, and then a clip of Raw is shown of Charlotte being helped by Ric Flair to retain her title against Natalia, which builds in to our next contest. Charlotte Flair versus Natalia for the women's title. Can I just uh, I feel like we need to do a little dive into Luke Gallows because he's just got a mention. So are we saying that this is episode four of the Luke Gallows podcast within a podcast? We are indeed. Treat. On May 29th, uh, 2006, Hankinson, which is uh, Luke Gallo's real name. I can't remember what his first name is. Drew Hankinson. Drew, that's it. Thank you. Uh, he debuted on Raw as an imposter king. Yeah. So, so he's wearing Kane's old mask and ring attire. And he took Sam Kane during his match against Shelton Benjamin for the Intercontinental title. That's where you want Kane, isn't it? The, interestingly, it's kind of a thing being passed down, a torch, if you like, being passed down, because obviously one of Kane's initial gimmicks was as the fake Diesel 
So he was the imposter Diesel, effectively. <clears throat> and then Luke Gallows becomes the imposter Kane. So hopefully in the next year or so, we're going to see an imposter Luke Gallows turn up. Oh, oh, my God. God. Can you oh, imagine? <laughs> I bloody love that. I feel like we need to come up for a, with a moniker. Moniker? I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> Just imposter gallows will do. Imposter gallows. gallows. Somebody new, somebody who hopefully is in the development territory right now. Get him in there. Imposter um, gallows. Do, uh, could they come down to a reworking of the Inspector Gadget theme song? If you really do, want do, to. Imposter gallows. Do, 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 do. <laughs> lovely stuff. Well, that was a lovely little episode four of the Luke Gallows podcast within a podcast. Hopefully the series will make its return at some point in the future. Um, so, yes, we have Charlotte Flair against Natalia in a match that goes 13 minutes. Natalia brings out Bret Hart to be in her corner to counter uh, the presence of Ric Flair. The match ends when we have a figure eight by Charlotte. Um, Natalia shouts no and saying she won't give up, then reverses before Charlotte reaches the rope. Charlotte then applies a sharpshooter, but there is no tap out. And Charles Robinson calls for the bell. So which of you was in the mood for another Montreal Screwjob uh, revisit uh, for this one? Old man. Uh, it's just such a fucking waste. It's such a waste of a very decent match. And this is not a uh, this is not a slight on him because Bret Hart, as they say on commentary, and I remember reading an interview with him, took him a lot to be there because he'd just come off, just been cleared of uh, prostate cancer. So he just got the all clear from that and obviously been through the treatment. So he's not he actually looks all right, I think, considering what he's been through. Mm. I think fair play, Brett. And uh, it's a nice thing because it's her uncle, Brett. But I do feel like Brett and he kind of said this in the interview. So I think I'm shaped by this. He's kind of shoehorned in there. And that's why they do the scrummy finish. But it's all worth it just to see a 309 year old Ric Flair being cinched into a sharpshooter i mean you've got you've got a man who is elderly let's let's not be around the bush he's elderly at this point and a man who has just been through the fight of his life and come out kicking and screaming and they're like do you want to uh right do you want to chuck on the sharpshooter for what's probably an uncomfortably long time for you and for rick and he's like yeah cool no worries but it's all worth it because it's nice it's just a nice little thing. So what you are referring to there, old man, is the end where afterwards Bret yes. Hart confronts Rick. Yes, sorry, yeah. And uh, Charlotte gets confronted by Natalia and they put on a pair of dueling sharpshooters to yes. their family. Yeah, mm. the sharp tutor, if you will. <laughs> um, decent match, which kind of expect, to be honest, Charlotte and Natalia. It's a nice little thing at the end. Didn't really like the screwy finish. Charles Robinson's better than that. And that's what really bother me about it is why are they using chuck in there well i yeah. tell you this is the only reason this makes sense and jbl mm. just about gets it in there at the end but to be, honest, to be honest it's so like it's so tenuous it's not it's not tenuous but it's so obscure the reference that they're going back to that for me it's kind of like it shouldn't shouldn't have been used which is that charles robinson obviously there was a period of time in late WCW where Charles Robinson favoured Ric Flair uh, as a referee and actually dressed up as him and had a match, I believe, in one pay-per-view with, I think it's, I'm going to say, I may get this wrong, I think it's Gorgeous George, Randy Savage's valet, but that might be wrong. I might be thinking of the wrong person, where he dressed, and he basically looks exactly like Ric Flair. And JBL says on commentary towards the end, 
obviously Charles Robinson has been known to be Little Nature. And I I was like, I mean, you you just about got it in there, and it but it's so obscure given how long ago all this stuff was. Considering that he had refereed countless Ric Flair matches yeah. that Ric Flair had lost. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so. absolutely. Countless matches in yeah since that he he had no relation back to. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, but I yeah. I know so Ric Flair's not fighting. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um. So my notes in this match. Let's <laughs> start. Ric Flair, like everyone with any with, with ears, is loving Charlotte Flair's theme song, and he's having a lovely little dance in the background. And at one point. She stops to do her pose in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the walkway, and he just carries her walking. He's obviously a either forgot what he's supposed to do, and b just too loving the music, and he goes yeah, and like steps back behind her, which is a lovely little touch. And also, he's loving Natalia's music as well, because you can see him on the sideline as well having a couple of little dances to it as well. So he's loving that. Then Brett comes out. Brett gets the bigger pop, obviously. Yeah. Um, Does he ever? Fuck me. but then I thought, they did this in NXT. And even then, I remember at the time thinking, Bret Hart's not her dad. <laughs> it's like, should have been Jim Neidhart come out. That would have been amazing. That big, angry rhino <laughs> uh, on, on the side of the middle of mage. A couple of little notes in there. Too much flair from Charlotte. That's what I wrote. Too much every, every... She basically does a Ric Flair match, doesn't she? Which is, which is quite... It's a bit like, oh, you're better than that, really. Like too many woos, too many, like pulling the knee pad down for the knee drop and doing the doing the bump over the bloody um, turnbuckle and just too too much Ric Flair in that in that in that for me uh, in in her performance. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I hated the screwjob finish, and I can't. We know that that night in 1997 had a very traumatic effect on Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. And imagine going, imagine having the worst day you could ever have at work. I don't know. You shit yourself in work <laughs> in the middle in the middle of a very important presentation, and then every couple of years in front of the entire world, and then every couple of years they just redo it again and make a mockery of it. Must be quite must be quite a heartbreaking, you know, oh. unpleasant thing to go through. Um, Especially also, after you've just got back from cancer treatment. Well, yeah, exactly. And mm. the uh, yeah, it's not like it's not like Natalia wins. They bring out the entire roster and Macho Man's on the top rope pointing back at her. So that would have been lovely. Um, and also, the other thing I've written, there's a great sharpshooter, I think Bret Hart still. Oh, there's a cracking sharpshooter, even on, even on Ric Flair's old, old fucking legs. Um, but it also made me really appreciate how repug Bret Hart's jeans are in that bit as well, because it's the horrible boot-cut jean. But other than that, loved it. I was a bit worried when Bret Hart kind of was going to put the sharpshooter on. I was like, oh, no, come on. Like, can you do this? Is he going to fall over? Is there going to be something embarrassing? No, just cinched it in, lovely. Got it as tight as you like good stuff but yeah the the shot the finish was just really let this down it was all right it was a decent match before the the end and then they rehashed the montreal screw job for the seven billionth time and just kind of like oh god and in in, in a place where it made absolutely no sense like there's what, nobody what? at ringside yeah, hey, chicago it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> um Gotcha. It, it make it just makes no sense, and it, it's not like there's somebody at ringside directing affairs saying, "Yeah, ring the bell." Like he just, just Charles Robinson just decides to, and as I say, JBL kind of just about gets in there an explanation, and it almost is passable, but I'm just not having it. It's too much of a, it's too much of a obscure reference, and we've not I, seen any evidence of Charles Robinson favoring 
Rick or Charlotte Flair for a very, very long time. The the one thing I will say, in spite of the fact that I really dislike the ending, as I said, I like the double sharpshooter. And uh, it brought me back up after that absolute dirge that we've just fucking sat through. It brought me back up. I'm excited. I look forward to the main event now. Fortunately, <laughs> I'm brought back down in a sec. <laughs> well, one more note, though, before we get on to that, what brought you down is that... The, the sense, as you said, Tom, about Bret Hart being shoehorned in. Well, I think it might have been you, old man, actually, you said this. Yeah, it was me. Don't give him fucking credit for my words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fuck you, Tinky. <laughs> so him being shoehorned in here, like this is absolutely made for Natalia to go over. Get a lovely moment with Bret. Bret's just come back from, you know, just had cancer. He's just got the all clear. He's come back in. He's having his first public appearance. They even mentioned this is his first public appearance since then. Give her the victory. Lovely stuff. Even if in a month's time you have her drop the belt back, no problem. Give her the victory. But of course, Charlotte is in the midst of building this undefeated streak on pay-per-view. So they can't have her lose the match. And yet we know what that builds to, which is that she loses that in that nothing way to Bailey at Fastlane 2017 that we covered however many weeks ago in our review of that show. And so you just feel like even the excuse for not giving Natalia the victory and not giving that really nice moment of Brett and Natalia in the ring celebrating doesn't work because you completely squandered that whole that whole winning streak anyway. Yeah, you know what, Tiggy, you've taught me around. Absolute dog dirt. Get it off the show. Well, don't worry, because all the good stuff's about to come. Because we start with Eden Styles introducing Vince McMahon to the crowd, who comes out to a very strong reaction initially and does his little strut, as he uh, was wont to do. But then there is a big CM Punk chant directed towards him, which Vince, I think, professionally and ably um, gets through. No problem at all. He talks about the history of Raw and, and then introduces Stephanie. The crowd boos Steph and Vince tells them to shut up and calls them animals. Stephanie lists off the authorities' accomplishments over the previous three to four years and says that every decision she has made has been best for business. That lovely, well-worn uh, phrase that they like to say. She then questions Shane's leadership, talking about the fact that he went away and left the company for a number of years. There are boring chants as Stephanie goes through all of the stuff that she does. Shane Man then comes out in front of the crowd and, uh, and and to the ring and the cheers for him are pretty loud. There's a big Shado Mac chant. Shane um, shows some recent headlines from various websites that suggest that Shane has changed Raw for the better uh, as the fans chant yes. Shane says that he left WWE seven years ago because of irreconcilable differences between he and Vince about the uh, future course of the product. And, and then he says he returned because of Stephanie and Triple H's poor management since. Vince says that tonight is not about what the fans want or what the press want or what anybody else want is about what he wants. And he says he wants to see Shane and Stephanie uh, draw each other's blood figuratively, or maybe they will work together. And so Vince says that both of them will now run WWE Raw from going forward. It's a completely pointless spoken segment especially given what the end of the segment is and i think what you got there in the last few minutes was just a little preview of what this show would be like if we had to cover various episodes of wwe raw yeah <laughs> tom all right tinky i say this with all the love and respect in the world i've known you for no 35 years i'd say probably that you describing that was really boring <laughs> and that's not a slight on you. That's not a slight on you at all. 
That is a slight bit of content. Now, that went on for about a minute, I reckon. Mm-hmm. How long does the actual segment go on for? You've got the numbers on that? I believe it is either very close to or just about 25 minutes. Wow. Right. It yeah. is fucking awful. Right. So, I've got, I've got, I've got a page of notes. On this. Oh, here we I'm, go then. I'm going to quickly bang through them. They're all in. They're all in um, bullet points, and then I just want you to you guys to jump in where we get. So similar to what you said, Tiggy, Vince decided who's gonna who's gonna run Raw. Big CM Punk chance, which Vince plays up to very very well. Who's it gonna be? I hope it's Hornswoggle. Great heat on Stephanie, which to yeah. be fair, there is. But then my first note, which I think we can d- dive deep into, which is a constant issue. Why do they keep crossing? The kayfabe to reality line. So why are they talking about how well everything's gone on storyline, storyline was, and then talk about the launch of the WWE Network? The WWE Network, a thing which, in theory, as the heel, they should not be taking credit for because it's something that the fans like. Mm. So she's trying to put herself over. If I hate that, Stephanie then <laughs> Stephanie then says, "Runday Night More," which I yes, where's wonderful? Yeah. And then I wrote, fuck, this is boring. And the boring chants are brutal mm. because it is so loud and it is so boring. And I'd love to think what was going through their minds at this point because it is. And then I don't know how this happens, but mercifully, Shane McMahon somehow makes it a little bit better, which <laughs> but it's still shit. He is very over at the time because he's just come back. But then it turns into an exercise in fluffing Shane McMahon. The shitting on everything that's been done over the past 10 years. And then, but you know that they're just going to carry on doing the same thing anyway <laughs> afterwards. So it's all for nothing. There is some great Vincent Man screaming in this promo. <laughs> Lots of great Man yelling. And then after 20 minutes of this nonsense, after Vincent Man says that he wants his son and daughter to disembowel each other, um, it's the most anticlimactic outcome you could possibly get. And there's a bit at the end, after Vincent Mann's music comes on, JBL goes, oh, my God. And yeah. I don't know if that is him pretending to be shocked and reacting or if that is his genuine reaction about what's happened. It is absolute dog shit, this entire segment. And at the end of it, I wonder what their reaction was like when they got backstage. They're like, that was good, lads. More of the same tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Like... And like there's bits where you say about Vincent Mann, it's all about what he wants. Never a truer word's been spoken in the t- in in terms of WWE. You know, a rare bit of candor and honesty from from Vincent Mann there. But it is just awful, and it's an exercise in just McMahon egotism exploding all over the screen, and it's fucking awful. Yeah, uh, the worst part of it, although I think, is that they have this 20 minute, 25 minute non-event, which is these three people in the ring where they don't we don't get what they say they're going to tell us they're yeah. going to give us which is either shane or stephanie would be put in charge of raw but on top of everything they've sold this pay-per-view or one of the taglines of the pay-per-view is the beginning of a new era and they start it off with a 20 to 25 minute promo between three of the mcmahon family now how that's the start of a new era i will never know it's just that's the worst part for me is that it's just, oh, so we are getting more of the same, more of the McMahon soap opera that, look, I think there is a reason they do it beyond just their own ego is egotism. Like I have seen or have heard kind of reports in the past about how the USA Network demanded more of the McMahon's because they believed it was one of the most valuable parts of 
WWE and they felt like it was a really important part of the WWE brand. But they themselves also put themselves in the in the way of the camera so often and it i why was being somebody wasn't watching at the time so not fully understanding the timeline here what i was hoping for was this would be vince announcing the brand extension again the the raw and smackdown in the draft because that obviously comes later this year so i was hoping before i'd seen this and before for knowing the timeline very well that that was what was coming but obviously it didn't and then we just got this Oh, you're both be in charge of it, which didn't make any sense because you say he says Vince McMahon says I want you to disembowel each other, and then he says or maybe work together as if like it as if those two things are intrinsically linked. It just made ah oh, oh, just of awful. course. It's trying to think of worse things that I've ever seen in wrestling on a pay per view than this. Beyond like a horrible match, like just like a segment or something, and I came up pretty blank. The highlight, and Tommy's touched on it, is when Stephanie can't say Monday Night Raw, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And then I, and there's, you've still got it, Chance, for Shane, after his abhorrent showing at WrestleMania where he was so shit he had to throw himself off of a fucking hell in a cell to get over, well, to get a reaction. And yeah, yeah, let's just leave it. Let's just let's leave that behind. We need to move on to better things. And I know we was going to get that for us. The pre-show Chrome. <laughs> yes. yes. But before we get to that pre-show crawl, I just also wanted to say that old oh man, you've already forgotten about the Miss NWO contest mm. that sold out because that is definitely. Uh, worse, yeah. in yes, that is true. There is. So there's probably some underlying sexism in this segment that I haven't noticed, but yes, I would agree. There's there's also the uh, Rock Triple H Ronda Rousey segment at WrestleMania mm. 32 as well. Is it 32? Which is awful as 31. well. 31. Yeah, which is awful as well. So there's there's a couple of stinkers yeah. in there as well. I'm I, sure I, there I, are worse things in this. I, you know, ultimately, look, it's not good. I didn't think it was terrible. I was just a bit like... Pfft. One thing I did notice, and he's obviously um, done his first proper public appearance for a while, uh, Vinnie Mac at WrestleMania 37. He's had a tough five years. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Yeah, yeah, he... Um, he looks like he's might have had some health difficulties. He's obviously had his face pumped for the silicon as well, it looks like. So he, he looks quite different. He looked quite well, I thought. And then he started chatting. And then I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, he doesn't look like he's wearing a mask of himself. <laughs> like yeah. he does now. Yeah, I think at this point, like he's he's 75 now. And uh, I don't want to be cruel. But I do. I think he looks older than seventy-five. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, thirty-seven. When we saw him, I thought he looked older yeah. than seventy-five, and that might be largely due to the makeup he's wearing. I don't know, but it, yeah. So here, here's something I've noticed in watching. Go back to a WWE Network original content. I was watching a uh, WWE Chronicle about the Edgester the other evening, which was perfectly pleasant. But he's chatting to Vince McMahon backstage when Vince McMahon is in Gorilla. He's wearing like a little thing around his neck, so I do wonder if he's not a if he's not a hundred percent healthy, old Vinnie Mac. And as you say, we followed that follows up by Renee Young, Corey Graves, and Jerry Lawler, as well as Booker T, the All Star Panel. Uh, God, I've said I've expressed my hatred for the All Star Panels and the Kickoff Panels and the goodness knows what else before. Which I I think the main reason I dislike them is because I think they could be really good. I think they could be a really cool part of the show. But they're just so often terrible, like acts in just let's have wheel some people out who will 
try out some cliches and make oh, just it's just rubbish it doesn't add any value to the show whatsoever well the, the idea i got from them throwing to these guys is for the king and booker t in particular to add some impact for what's just been announced like that was the only logical thing that i could but again like you said we've just had three people say nothing for half an hour and then they have three people say nothing like when a young must just be sat there just being like the fuck am i doing the panel and jerry lawler in particular looked as bored as i felt yeah no i can't deny it then they talk about uh, and they could show us some footage of the kickoff action, so the, the matches that took place during the kickoff of the show, um, which includes Ziggler beating Baron Corbin and Callisto def- defending his US title against Ryback, which, interesting enough, I believe this is Ryback's last ever match for WWE. Good, good. Fucking scumbag. I'll tell you one thing on Ziggler and Corbin. So Corbin's hair is fucking phenomenal, and I completely forgot about his long hair. It is Sam Carey circa 2010. <laughs> Uh, obviously, much longer. Um, it's, uh, I think it's Corey Graves, ever the professional, says it's a match we'd been waiting for for weeks. <laughs> weeks! <laughs> it, it, I, and it just made me think, like someone just sat at home being like, you know what I'm looking forward to? Dove Ziggler versus Barry Corbin. <laughs> and then it's bumped to the pre-show. I'm going to piss everybody off and say that of the four people that are featured in these two matches... Yes, Corbin. I would rather Ryback and Callisto stay there than Corbin and Ziggler. I can't stand Corbin. Can't really? stand him. Absolutely but, hate him. Cannot. But, I just have no time for him. I just find him dull, not particularly skilled. Just go go away. Wow. I, I quite like Barry Corbin. I can't be honest because he serves a purpose. Uh, he gets genuine heat as well. He gets heat because people don't think he's very good, not because they think he's they don't like him. Yeah. But a reaction's a reaction. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Fuck off, old man. I'm not having this. <laughs> because, because they say the exact same thing about when Roman Reigns comes down as well, and they said it about John Cena all those years, and it was never their intention. He's just not very good. That's the problem. If he was scum and people booed him for that reason, fine. <laughs> it's not. He's just uh, Baron Corbin. Bored. <laughs> <laughs> boring, boring Corbin. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So next we get a hype video for Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles, our main event of the evening. And before the match itself, we get an update on the condition of Enzo Amore, who is apparently at the hospital and has been diagnosed as having a concussion. But all other tests are apparently clear. In fact, Amore was apparently backstage at Raw the following night, so it didn't have any real long-term effects by the sounds of things. Can I just correct you, Tinky? He's not at a hospital. He is at a local medical facility. Apologies, yeah, apologies. Um, and also, I think it's earlier in the show that they say, oh, he is uh, he is awake and he is talking, which is good news. And I thought, not for any poor fuck who's within fucking hearing distance of the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought the exact same thing. Going in hard on Enzo Amore, love it. Ah, fuck him, he ain't here. Fuck you. Hey, what he is here. <laughs> right. Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles, a match for the WWE World Heavyweight title, a match that lasts uh, 25, 26 minutes, in fact, and has a number of finishes. I won't talk about them all right now. What I will is just tell you about the end and we can then fill in the gaps later on. So um, Styles hits a lovely looking slingshot 450 for a two count, then goes for the Styles Clash, but Reigns escapes. Reigns then ducks under a phenomenal forearm attempt by Styles and hits the spear for the win to retain the belt. Uh, let's start with you, Tom. Your thoughts on the match? 
Okay, I quite like the match. Like I said when I kind of bit old man's head off just then, um, was <laughs> that the uh, there's so many boos for Roman Reigns. He's not over in the slightest, in a, in a positive way, or in the intended way. And uh, and JBL is just like, ah, I'm trying to get a he's got a reaction. Everyone's saying that it doesn't matter if you're getting a reaction. Doesn't matter. Let's be honest. We're presenting him. They're presenting him in a babyface manner, and no one wants it because he's not very good at it. Let's be honest. There's there are some you can't wrestle chants to Roman Reigns, which I don't think are spare. I think it should be more of a we don't rate how you've been booked and catch it. Oh yeah, it's catchy, <laughs> isn't it? But I I thought the match was quite good. I really liked the phenomenal forearm through the table spot. It was really cool because you don't see that sort of thing happen very often. Because he he basically is lent against it and then goes through the yeah. table and it really sells the impact of the move yeah. rather than like a normal one, which I thought was really cool. And then we get the count out win for AJ Styles. And out comes Shane McMahon. And I'm thinking of oh, bloody hell. Here we go then. He he comes out and says, match it ending like that. We're starting again. Yeah, aren't I popular? Everyone, pay attention to me. Me, Shane McMahon, not these two in the ring, these two mugs. Pay attention to me. And he walks off. And then uh, a little bit more in-ring action happens. And I can't remember how what exactly happens at this point. So to fill in the gap, Roman Reigns uh, hits AJ Styles with a punch as Styles comes off the top rope. And uh, it's apparently low. And so the referee just dis- disqualifies Reigns. Yes. So it's a disqualification for an accidental low blow, which doesn't make any sense. And then just when I think, oh, well, that's the shame that match has ended. Stephanie McMahon comes out and says, Shane's an idiot. He shouldn't. He should have put in a no DQ stipulation, which I'm going to do now. And the match is going to continue. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, if I see another McMahon on the show, I'm going to have to have a pineapple violently inserted into my rectum. <laughs> and then they come out and then another schmoz happens in which the uh, the bold club come down yes. and get involved in a little bit. There's a very nice uh, spot uh, where with a phenomenal forearm from AJ Styles that gets counted into a Superman punch that looks very cool. And then... Uh, the match ends. But yeah, I thought the match was really good. I really could have done without the fucking McMahons in it, just taking the shine away from the match. Um, I think they work both work really hard. I think AJ Styles is just so fucking good. I'll tell you what I did think of though. And again, we recorded in we recorded the past listeners. But it made me feel a little bit sad about Samoa Joe, if I'm being honest, thinking about this. Because we're recording this on the week that uh, big big S Joe has been uh, has been released. And I was thinking, join this match. I'm really glad that AJ Styles got to come to WWE eventually and have this this run that he's had and, and really put himself out there on a on a world stage to show how good a wrestler he is. And then it just made me feel a bit sad thinking that it's a shame that Samoa Joe's done and been released now because because uh, I would have liked to have seen him have a really good run. So aside from that sadness, I, I quite enjoyed the match and I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, just on the um, AJ Styles thing, I think there's a a sense with Styles that because he went to Japan, he already had kind of done the world stage. He'd been to Japan and had been in TNA, which at the time was relatively well known. People knew Styles was. It's not the same. What I was going to say, though, is that coming to WWE and having the run at the top of WWE means that there's now no one that can ignore him. He's done everything. Like, he's gone to TNA, he's had some amazing... He's had a decade of matches, of really great matches in TNA. He's then had three, four years of really great stuff in Japan, and then he's come into WWE and done the same again. And so there's really no one now that can that can ignore him as a top-tier performer, which might not have been the case had he not gone to WWE and had that top-line career... And that's why it's a shame Samoa Joe hasn't done the same. Well, and also, like, while we're on it, like, it's the presentation, isn't it? AJ Styles debuted at the Royal Rumble. 
number three. So he gets that reaction. Samoa Joe, do you want to pop into NXT, mate? <laughs> There's also, like, with Samoa Joe, not to any fault of his own, he was some badass music. That's basically what he was. They, they never, there was no defined character for him or anything like that. It's like when he started doing commentary. And I heard him, I was like, hey, he's all right. But I don't know whose idea that was, because you've got, oh, should we get that guy who's got no character to do some commentary? And in many ways, that's probably why they did it, because he's perfect. Poor old Joe, rest in peace. I'm sorry, he's not dead, is he? Sorry. <laughs> sorry, it's, uh, his, his time in WWE is over. But yeah, he's a good lad. A good lad. We don't like the, we don't like the, <laughs> we don't like the way you're booked. I enjoyed this, and I feel like without the interludes, it could have been a bit of a bloody ripper, to be honest. Mm. I think it could have been, I think it's very good in spite of what goes on. I think they work well together. One thing I did notice, and this is probably why they like him so much, old Roman, is that when Styles gets him in the Styles Clash, he is massive. He is so long, Roman Reigns, like his body is so long that it just looks really impressive. And it makes him getting in the Styles Clash look incredibly difficult. So it's kind of a turn. And on Tommy's point, going back to the first false finish, what they do there is they protect the phenomenal forearm, somewhat lovely, because of the counting. Because there's no way he should you know, like make the count. And also, they're still, they're not fully committing to AJ Styles being a heel at this time. So, quite sensibly, I think, from the booking perspective, doesn't go out and throw Reigns back in the ring, which would have been the sensible thing to do. I just enjoyed it. And like mm. I said, without the interludes, I think it could have maybe touched upon classic status. Wow. Because I think they work really well together. And I have seen their match from Extreme Rules, which is tremendous. It's better than this. And it, this is good. And also a quick note on uh, AJ Styles' music, because it's fucking amazing. Mm. Absolutely love it. Just, I think it's memories as well. So the moment when he came out of the t- 2016 Royal Rumble, and that music hit, and it just said phenomenal. And then AJ came out of it. Lovely. This is one of the rare things that WWE have got 100% correct is with AJ Styles. But I also think that AJ Styles could have worked in front of nine people and got himself over without any booking, really. Just well, he did. tremendous. He did, well, in yeah. fairness. That's what happened in TNA, in truth. He worked in front of a, a much smaller crowd and yeah. grew for himself a, a phenomenal, pardon the pun, reputation. Hey, hello. Yeah, so there's lots of things I want to talk about here. First of all, the match. Really good match. Really, really, really good match. Styles and Reigns do really well. Reigns works really well with smaller guys. Daniel Bryan always brings out the best in Roman Reigns, and Styles does here as well. It's really good. The interruptions from the McMahons, yeah, that's a bit annoying. But actually, I still I still quite like the fact that the story, they wielded two different stories here into one place, and it wasn't too heavy-handed in the sense that Shane and Stephanie are now going to be part of the world title picture and, and mm. make a real deal to that. Though They weren't there trying to favor one or the other of the two men involved. They were just there trying to one up each other. So it didn't feel like they were trying to make either Styles or Reigns win. It just so happened that they got involved to try and improve the entertainment value. So I really, I, I really didn't mind that too much. The Roman Reigns uh, booking of, of everything. So, 
my biggest issue with the way they book Roman Reigns is that they didn't give us a reason to like him. That's yeah. the biggest problem with the Reigns push and the Reigns booking is that we never got into a place with Roman Reigns where it was clear why we should actually get behind him. It was just, oh, here's this guy and we're now pushing him to the moon. And that's why you'll like him and you will like him, even though actually it's not a particularly likable guy. And that's not his strength. His, his strength is not to be a naturally likable guy. His in-ring garb is rubbish. Like that whole body protector thing looks awful, especially when you start putting in color to it. It just makes it look ridiculous. Um, So I'm really glad he's got rid of it now and he's a heel and, and doing what he's doing. I've got a broader issue, though, with not the match so much, but just the general booking of WWE. And this not really just of 2016, but of many, 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 many years, which is that and and, it, and the reason I want to talk about it is because it's highlighted by the end segment in the show, which is that Vince and Stephanie and Shane are backstage again. We see them talking about it. And Vince says Vince congratulates his children on, on the things that they did to make the match really good. He then asks if Styles should get a rematch instantly. And they say, oh, yeah, absolutely. You should get a rematch. And then Steph says they have extreme rules coming up. And Shane McMahon says, all right, let's make it an extreme rules match. And to me, this goes to the biggest issue with WWE. I think probably the single, maybe not the single biggest issue, but one of the biggest issues with their programming of the last five, 10, even 15 years, which is that you've got two guys in a main event against one another. And you know that because it's the first match between each other, they're going to have another match in a month's time. And then another match probably in another month's time. There's not going to be a a one and done thing. So all the time, all the while the, the commentators are trying to build up the fact that this might be Styles' one chance to win the world title. But you know, before the match even begins, that it definitely won't be because he's going to get a rematch in three weeks time. You've got another pay-per-view. You've got to fill it and it's going to be Styles. And and this end segment with Vince, Stefan and Shane really highlighted that because within three minutes of the match ending, you know that there's a rematch going to happen in three yeah. weeks time. So you're left at the end of it thinking, well, what was the point in that match? And what's even worse is that the booking of the segment and the booking of the match don't make sense. So if you take if you think about it like a television show and a, and a scene in a television show where the things that happen in this scene relate to a show, the scene that's going to take place in another episode, you would want everything that took place in that scene to do that. But the problem here is that they had a count out, they had a disqualification and they restarted the match. But the disqual the no disqualification stipulation that Stephanie added meant that the Usos and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows got involved. And you don't want that in your world title match so how does that mean you're going to create an extreme rules match at the next show which is no disqualification therefore rife for interference surely your reaction to that is as the authority figures is to say right well we don't we want we don't want it to go to a count now we don't want a disqualification but we also don't want these guys getting involved let's make it a cage match and if they'd have made it a cage match all of a sudden you have got a reason for that match to happen because it leads to what happens the next in a month's time. But in this situation, that doesn't happen. And so it makes absolutely no sense. They go to an extreme rules match. I would have just preferred them. And I think they would be much better off in the future. If they did this is to say, you get a title match. If you lose the match, by a pinfall especially if you're the challenger you don't get a rematch you have to work your way back up to become the number one contender again and i give them an alternative route that they could have gone with this because they've got a, they've got a pay-per-view in three weeks time right so I'm, I'm accepting they've got to build something for that show 
here's an alternative way they go. They have Roman Reigns win the match exactly as he won it, and then they don't have the bit with the McMahons afterwards. Meanwhile, the next night, they come out and they announce Dean Ambrose as the number one contender because he beat Chris Jericho in a big match at Payback. And then Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns have a little bit of a promo where they're kind of, because they're friends, so they, they're not like... They're not in a feud or anything, but they have a kind of back and forth where they're having a little bit of banter and 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 Roman Reigns some, says something to the effect of, look, let's be honest, Dean, everyone expects you to lose this match. No one thinks you're going to win. OK, and Ambrose then sort of says, well, maybe they do think that, but that's only because they know that you might get yourself discounted out or disqualified like you did last last night. And Roman Reigns then says something to him, all right, then fine. If you're worried about that. Let's have an extreme rules rules match at extreme rules. And in the meantime, the next week, Dean Ambrose can cut kind of promo or an interview where he's he's asked about and he says, look, I goaded Roman Reigns into that. That's exactly what I wanted because I accept in a one on one match with the way I work. Sometimes I tend to lose control. He might be the favorite for that match. But when you have an extreme rules match, that's where I live and breathe. And I'm going to be able to beat Roman Reigns. It's so much more simple than anything. Like I've just come up with that. It's not like a thing Mm. that I've been thinking about for a long time. And it would just avoid them having to go straight into a rematch. Don't get me wrong. You want to go back to Styles and Reigns again in the future. You just don't have to do it the next month. You don't have to just constantly do these three in a row pay-per-views, especially just after WrestleMania, which seems to happen all the time. So sorry, it was a very long winded kind of thing, but it just it really got to the heart of what the problem with WWE's booking is at the moment. Well, you, I, you're missing out one thing there, though, Tinky. What's that? They want the McMahons. <laughs> you forget they, that that's what the audience want. And you don't true. know that. And you don't know what you want because you're a fucking idiot. That's true. I'm not yeah. a McMahon myself. So that would be why I don't know. Go, go back to your point, Tinky, as well. This is the problem where like um, old uh, Jinder Mahal few years ago he came from nowhere and won the world title and the reason why it's completely nonsensical that he did that is that because of these three in a row matches you don't build anyone so the next person just has to be a surprise yeah oh surprise it's bob carroll g's fighting for the world title (laughs) (laughs) with with spit the dog who's banned from ringside I'm willing to bet that that is the first reference to Bob Carroll G's on a wrestling podcast in history. <laughs> well, I hope so. And you know what? I hope it's not the last. But you're right, though. With Jinder Mahal, you could have him have a title shot, get close but not win, then have to build himself back up over a couple of months and then get close again and maybe win the second time. I don't know. But that's not the point. It's just just don't have it every like all the time. So predictably rematch, 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 rematch. It's just, it's just such a dull way of booking. And it also completely means that when you're watching this match, there's nothing riding on it because you know, if AJ Styles doesn't win, he's going to get another rematch anyway in a week, in a few weeks time. The, the other thing is as well, is you can do that, that rematch, rematch, rematch. If the feud is compelling enough, if the feud warrants it, do you know what I mean? You can, you can do that. Like, you know, we think about like after was it WrestleMania 15 where they have the the amazing rematch with The Rock and Austin at Backlash, yeah. and that worked really well because they felt that like there was unfinished business. But yeah, you're right, Tinky. Having having that as your kind of template for how to book a feud is just doesn't work. But let's be fair, the the WWE haven't changed their template on how to book a wrestling show in you know. 20 years now yeah no agreed, and, agreed. and that is the it, will tie, it will tie it ties back into as well something i was thinking about when we were talking about the 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 mcmahon segment earlier obviously it wasn't always this way was it like it wasn't always this way you think about everything up to 98 really up to the up to the up to the like you know the, the austin mcmahon feud you knew vince mcmahon run the company but it wasn't open and out there as much but if you knew you knew sort of thing 
And not every segment or not every rule started off with the McMahon segment or with an authority figure segment. And it's these lazy tropes that have come in that are just, they think works because it worked during their most popular period. That just doesn't work anymore. And you don't need it. I think it's also, it's not just that they think it works. It's also that they, it's laziness in that it's a crutch to, to lean on because they've got to fill three hours of television and they're like, well, what's an easy way to get to a main event between these two guys? I oh, would we'll just have the authority figure come out and come up with some stupid reason for why they have to fight each other. And it just, that's the problem is it's easy. And so they just do it. And I think the mark of a good kind of creative force is you preclude yourself from doing certain things that you do a lot, mm-hmm. like a really good music, music artist will say, right, you know what? I've just done two or three albums where we've really featured, I don't know, strings really heavily i'm not going to allow myself to use strings this time around because i want a different sound i want to do something different and i don't want to rely on the same things i've done over and over again that's what wwe need to do they need to take away things and say we're not allowed to use them for a period of time because it will make us more creative it'll make us do things that we haven't done before i I must say i'd be very interested to see a uh, no strings allowed match <laughs> it'd be bloody good that and, and and it's the honky tonk man against jeff jarrett well that's just it i mean you the problem you'll find is that much like with wrestlemania 37 where they had a uh, african drum match is all that really yes. means is that we're gonna have a street fight or a no disqualification match with drums um yes. no strings allowed would be uh, a no disqualification match with guitars without strings <laughs> yes it's just interesting because I I've mentioned this before. Doing this podcast, you do watch wrestling shows differently, and as Tommy touched upon, like you get used to like the layout of how they lay out the pay per views, and this is something that I've noticed because obviously we had the uh, series of matches between Val Venus and Dino Brown oh. back in the late nineties. Everyone wants that. That's what people want. You've got to give the people what they want every now and then, but you also need to keep it fresh. You know what they need? They need a new era, and they're missing that from this show. <laughs> do, do we do we need a new era? Yeah. Maybe we should do something different, but not for now, because who can be bothered to come up with it really quickly I'm, on the fly? I'm, in line with WWE, could we call this a Random Wrestling Review Podcast 2000? <laughs> I like that. Yes. Or, or or just randomly say right we're into our new season because that's what yes. they also do quite regularly <laughs> it's really weird before we go to wrapping up expectations for the pay-per-view set at the beginning the biggest problem with this entire pay-per-view is that on the poster on the WWE network there's a picture of the Wyatt family and they're <laughs> yes. not on the entire fucking pay-per-view whatsoever what is that what is that I'm, who I'm are these so- people <laughs> What's going on? I'm not I mean, even mentioned. No, they are very briefly in a clip on the network promo for the Edge and Christian show where they're yeah. chatting to them. That is it. There is no... What? what uh, why? They as well have had a fucking picture of us on there. What is happening? It's very, very strange. I'm on, I'm on the Wikipedia page and it doesn't say anything about the Wyatt family or what they were, like why they're on the cover. Like... It's just this is baffling to me. You know what's more baffling to me is that if they had something that they thought they were going to line up with the White family, and that's why they're on the poster, fine. But we're now five years since this show happened, and this happened during the network era. There's no on the WWE network, it still features the Wyatt family. I just yeah. like, why haven't you changed it? Like why haven't you just changed it? If you go onto the Wikipedia page and do Control F and write Wyatt. The one mention of the Wyatt family picture comes up underneath the poster that says promotional poster featuring the Wyatt family. 
That is the only time the word Wyatt is used in the entire thing. So what's happening there? Well, of course, the um, the Wyatt family are probably still struggling a little after Eric Rowan gets beat in six seconds by The Rock at WrestleMania 32. Maybe that's it. Maybe that yeah. is it. Yeah, because that was kind of like, I completely forgot about that. And when Tori was checking, I was like, I wonder if they did it at WrestleMania 32. They're still recovering from that, aren't they? Well, they're recovering. We know what they're recovering from. Seen his fucking legacy and his bollocks. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay, so let's uh, let's do our overall thoughts uh, of, of the show, our ratings out of 10 and our match of the night. Let's start with you, old man. First, the show obviously starts pretty rough because of the injury. And then it kicks into gear when, when Owens is around. Uh, in spite of my qualms about the uh, Miz and Cesaro match, I did... I still enjoyed it for what it was. And that is about 40 minutes, whatever it is, is the best bit of the show, I think, up until the main event. The Jericho Ambrose match, it sags like Jericho's gut during that bit. <laughs> and then um, and then the women pick it up. Women and Bret Hart and Ric Flair pick it up again. Lovely old time. We're having a good time. And then the authority take over and it sags. And then we end on a very good note. Well, we almost end on a very good note with the main event, which is a tremendous match, as I've said, in spite of the interludes. And then it is completely undone by what we've just spent some time discussing, which is the McMahon shenanigans backstage, where they then set up the match for the next pay-per-view. Uh, McManigans? Oh, lovely. Yes, we're having that. So the McManigans, <laughs> as Tommy said. There's a weird one rating this, because the bits that I enjoyed, I really, really enjoyed. And the bits that I did not enjoy, I loathed. But it's still going to get a six because I think the good outweighs the bad, which is, I think, how we all want to live our lives. And if I can live every WWE pay-per-view with that in mind, I'm happy. What was your match of the night? Does the authority segment count as a match? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I've ever done this. It's going to be a tie between Owens and Zayn. I tell you what, Owens and Zayn. And Reigns and Styles, and I'll toss a coin for it. I haven't got a coin, so I'll chuck this pen in the air. And it's Owens and Zane. Yes, well done, lads. Go on, Canada. <laughs> uh, Tom? Um, old man is uh, knocked the ball right out of the tree there. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, the, the good bits are good. The bad bits. If I'm, look, I'm looking at the, the kind of the card on, on Wiki right now, and I'm looking at the matches, and we'll take the tag team match out of it because it doesn't really get to, get to go. But there are five matches on the card and four of them I thoroughly enjoyed. That alone should give it enough. You know, an 80% success rate should give it a pretty high scoring. But because of all the McManigans and all the nonsense that happens in it, it does mark it down significantly. Therefore, my score for this pay-per-view is a six as well. And my match of the night is the same one. Can I give you a quick bit of trivia, Tinky, just before you go on to yours? Why not? So it says on in the aftermath of the card, following payback, Ryan Reeves, right back, said that he had been sent home after requesting to be taken off of WWE television. I think he wasn't the only person requesting that he get taken off WWE television. <laughs> um, Reeves and WWE could not agree to a new contract due to Reeves' belief that all wrestlers in WWE should be paid equally regardless of their position on their card. I fucking bet he does. <laughs> I've been being on the kickoff show. Absolutely. It's, a, it's an interesting one because 
it's I mean it's really difficult, isn't it? Because ultimately each wrestler, especially now more than ever, and I hate to say that word during the COVID times that we still live in because it's the most overused phrase in the history of the world. <laughs> but 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 these times more than ever with WWE, it's very much about how much WWE get behind you as opposed to how good you are that makes mm-hmm. you the best. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's always kind of been like that. And but there is. Um, there is a correlation between talent and getting to the top, even if it's not a pure correlation. Now, I think it's even less of a correlation because of the fact that it's so controlled. Everybody's scripted. Everybody, all the matches are planned out to such an extent beforehand that he brings up an interesting point, whether it's whether it's something I agree with or not. It does bear thinking about, I think, if I'm honest. Should there be, is there, do you know how it works? Is there like a minimum that you get and then it's based on yeah. stuff? That's so exactly. they do get, so they do get paid the same then. No, they don't. They don't get. <laughs> no, they each get a different minimum though. That's the point. Like oh. they get a a minimum amount of money that their contract is worth, and then they get more based on incentives. Which I think again is difficult because you don't want to take away from those people that are really successful and who have worked really hard to do that and have improved their game. It's so hard to judge this with, with wrestling because of the work nature of it. Um, I'm going to give the ma- the show a rating of seven. Oh, check you out. I've been back and forth. I originally thought it was going to be seven, and then you guys almost talked me around to get giving it a six, to be honest. Damn it, almost I do, think, I do think there is some some really poor stuff in there, and the booking the booking of the main event is a bit poor. The the overall booking of the of the company, as I've just spelled out before, is is just really poor and just not very imaginative. Uh, and the booking for the women's match was a real problem. You know, the the end of that just bad booking is is the big problem here to try and get over but you can't really as we've said you can't really judge the tag team match the 40 minutes that follow that with the intercontinental title stuff and the Sami Zayn, kevin owen stuff really good excellent stuff i really enjoyed the the meshing of two different storylines almost into one which i really liked the matches that followed yeah chris jericho versus dean ambrose was a bit dull not particularly great it wasn't bad it just wasn't it wasn't worth 18 minutes of my time uh the women's match was good and the main event's really good even sp- even in spite of the of the booking issues and the and the interruption so i i i feel bad I, I would feel bad giving it any that any less than seven because that main event does deserve a a real real thumbs up for me so yeah i'm giving it a seven my match of the night is not the main event though <laughs> my match of the oh. night is sammy zane versus kevin owens because i thought it was just excellent so that brings us to the end of the kind of the review itself um an interesting show and we've come to the end of the show (laughs) hey back so we have now the the game before we go to the game though i will just point you in the direction of our social media channels youtube instagram twitter facebook at rwr pod uk give us a follow um and get involved over there we've got all kinds of shit that goes on so the game and tom it is your turn to host the game this week and there's a number of categories that we have had and we've covered increases it is getting harder and harder to come up with a new one so i'm interested to see what it is you've got for us this is going to be a bit of an interesting one lads because i don't have a definitive list of answers here oh hello so we need to keep going until I find out that one of you is wrong. <laughs> you're putting the onus of the work all on us. That's what you're right. saying. Um, so, lads, despite old man's indiscretions with the fox a couple of weeks ago, we are all fans of animals. Tinky, you've got a lovely pet dog. I've got a lovely pet cat. Old man, you've grown up loving animals, and you are, in fact, a vegetarian. 
So, with that in mind, I want from you, I want you guys to go back and forth to wrestlers with animals in their names. Does this include animals that are in their ring name as well? Yes. Fine. Oh, fuck me. But George the Animal Steel and Animal from Legion of Doom don't count. So, I'm going to start with Old Man. Oh, fuck off, mate. Uh, <laughs> Hawk. There we go. Yeah. Good start. Good start. Uh, Jake the Snake. Robert. Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> the giant, because it's got ant in it. Oh, hello. <laughs> I don't know if I'm having that, mate. This is hard. All right, I've got one. The British Bulldog. Okay, good. Um, The Red Rooster. Oh, done. Uh, uh, the Road Dog. Excellent. Well done. Um, the dog-faced gremlin, Rick Steiner. <laughs> now, was that his? That wasn't his ring name, though, was it? it? That's what I meant by the ring name. I meant like his kind of. Uh, no, no, he's not. No, no, go for someone else, Stinky. Well, it's hard because I haven't got another one yet. All right. <laughs> I have. I've got one. Um. Okay. You know, fine. I'll, 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 I'll count that one in for Tinky because I didn't explain it. I didn't fine. explain it well. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon. Yes. Excellent. Oh yeah, lovely, good one. Um, I still haven't got one. Um, delaying. <laughs> yeah. This is fucking really tough. Um, okay. Ernest the Cat Miller. Yep. That's lovely. Ooh. Um. Uh. uh, uh <laughs> I know the cat. Yeah. Yes. Fair enough. Um. Tiger mask. Oh. Yeah, well, he's going to Japan. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the killer bees. Yes. <laughs> I had thought of those, but I didn't know if it would count because it was the tag team. From his WCW days, Lionheart Chris Jericho. Oh, ah, yes. That's outstanding. Come on, old man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the listeners are kidding themselves, mate. You're, you're, you're such an idiot. They can think of loads. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I think, I'll be I think I'm going to have to do uh, it. No, no. <laughs> um, um, I'm He's done. done. He's done. Okay, right. So, there are other ones you could have had. After Lionheart, my, my mind immediately went to Tiger Ali Singh. Oh, oh yeah. So you could have an Ultimate Dragon or Ricky mm. the oh, Dragon oh. Steamboat. Hang on, a dragon is a fictional creature. It's, it's not true. An That's true. Kimono, kimono dragons. Fair point. Well made. <laughs> he's not called, he's not called the, Ricky the Kimono Dragon Steamboat, though, is he? <laughs> well, maybe if you wore a nice fucking dress and to the ring, he could have been. <laughs> um, do you have any more, Tinky? Uh, I just thought of Shark, which was uh, John Tenter's <laughs> name yeah, in WCW. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Tiger, which I think was Eddie Guerrero, possibly, yeah. gimmick in Japan. And then I was like, well, Henry O. Godwin, technically. Ooh. And, and, and Finnis I. Godwin as well. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have given you them. Um, and I've got to be honest, beyond that, I'm really, really struggling. I don't. Um, there are probably hundreds Loads. and thousands. I just yeah. can't think of any right now. It was just. Yeah, it wasn't happening. Uh, Spider Lady, I suppose, um, that uh, Fabulous Moolah dressed up as to beat uh, Wendy Richter for the World Women's title in 1985. Junkyard Dog. 
Junkyard Dog, yeah. Yes. That was that's one of the most obvious, to be honest. Um, there's oh, the, uh, Rhino. <laughs> Rhino, yeah. Basically, just an animal. That's what you had to say. <laughs> it's the theme of an animal. And let's not forget, um, Shark Boy was a real one. Went in there yeah. too, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. Was what well, I tell you what, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah. the anguish on your face, old man. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. Well, for some reason, I thought an anvil was a bird. <laughs> so that's why I was checking <laughs> to see if I could have Jimmy Anvil Nightheart. So I did I did wonder, I did wonder to myself if I would let the Birdman Coco beware go, and I think I would probably would have to let, accept that one. I was going to go, Coco. Um, there was a back at way back in the early seventies. There was a guy you dressed, you used to dress up as Batman and wrestle in WWF as Batman, and his name was Batman, but with two T's. Tommy, could we have had Brutus Beefcake? Because <laughs> a cow becomes beef. Yeah, it's not Brutus Cowcake, is it? Isn't it? Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Superfly, yeah. lovely old stuff. Lovely old stuff. Well, I think uh, I think that's I'll, the end of the game for now. Yeah, I'll be honest, Tommy. That was a bloody good one. That's changed the thinking on what the game can be. Yeah, you, you've morphed it from fact to a bit of fun. Is it safe to say that I've ushered in a new generation? Oh. A new era of the game? Well, or, or perhaps a new generation game. Oh, <laughs> oh what a lovely audience. Say what you see. Say what you see. That's, that's not Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> oh, fuck it that's, is. That, that's Roy Walker. Who? <laughs> uh, Roy Walker from Catchphrase. Catchphrase. Anyway, um, nice to see you. To see you next. <laughs> uh, we are going to wrap up there with another week's entertainment here on the Random Wrestling Podcast. I hope that we've been able to hold it together somewhat. <laughs> we've had technical issues. We've had talking issues. It has been a tumultuous ride this morning. Um, old man, thank you for joining me as always. Well, thank you very much. It's very. Uh, I feel like this podcast is very representative of WWE's booking. But enough about that. Just remember, Ken Patera. I always worry that he's not going to do it, and then he pulls it all the way back in. And Tom, thank you as well for joining us for today's show. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to you guys, and good luck to you for editing that fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will enjoy that very much over the next few days. Um, but don't worry about it. We will be back in time for another show next week. But until then, take care. Ta-ra, Chuck. <laughs>